Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast. Let's have some fun. Today, by a good colleague of mine, Paul Lindsay, an assistant director, uh, also an aspiring uh, producer, director. Um, Paul is the guy that you call when you need, he's what I consider a closer. Um, you need a show, you need a body, you need someone that's going to run towards the fire instead of away from it. Uh, he's the man to call uh, as far as logistics, solving problems, any asset of being an uh, assistant director from running the set to doing the call sheets to doing the background, uh, anything set related, Paul's a go-to guy. Uh, say hello to the people, Paul. Well, that was a hell of a introduction, man, but thank you very much for that. Uh, hey, everyone out there. All right, so um, I'm just going to go down some of your, your uh, credits. Uh, I mean, you vary from TV to film to commercials to... Uh, I don't know if you've done music videos at all. Have you, what do you? What's your preference on those? TV, film, commercials, music videos, and why? You um, have to rank those. I did two music videos, and after my second, I said I do not want to do this ever again. It was just it. It just was not where my I thought my talents could be really utilized because it was not. It, it wasn't as structured as I would like. Um, I I started off doing commercials back in New York um, before I moved out to LA. But when I landed in LA, I've pretty much done about 70% television because I, I understand that medium. It's a, it's a medium that just keeps going forth and just changing up the different um, cogs and, and, and players in between, but there's a something going forth. There's a continuum on that timeline going forth, which I get, my brain just gets that. And so I've done like 60, 70% uh, TV and then, you know, then 30% movies and then the rest are still in the commercial realm. Nice. So you had, so TV, if you had to rank those, if I have a job that's available in TV, one's available in film, which one would you take and why? Or, or is it just uh, bigger factors than just uh, the medium? It's it's a bigger factor than in the medium. A, a, a film you're going to have for, you know, twenty to forty days. So you're looking at about two to three months that you're working on on a film. Um, there is a definitive end date for it. However, with a a television show, especially if it's a long form show, you you can be on there for anywhere between eight to ten months. So there's the financial aspect of it where you're getting the long money from the TV show. You're you're giving up basically a year of your life for, for this show. And, um, and at the end it's, you know, you have the episodes that come into your home and you could watch them. And, um, but then with the movie, it's, it depends on the movie as well. If it's a tentpole feature or if it's an independent, you never quite know how it's going to be received. You never know if it's going to you know fizzle out or if it's even going to get to the theaters um, or what people will think about it. And, and it's one of those things where it's not so much the show that, has me decide which I'm going to do. It's more the people that I'm going to be working with. Mm. That's what has me decide um, what would be the best step for me. Everything is, 
when I first started out in the business, I was, I was hungry. I remember there was a time when I was a production assistant and I worked 22 days straight. And some of those days were double up days where I would go in at seven on one show and tell the ADs, Hey, I have a night shoot that I have to go to. And I'd leave there about six 30 and get to the other shoot about seven, seven 30 to work all night and then go back to the show that I was doing again the next day. I did that a couple of times, but I was, I was just hungry. I was starving. I wanted to get as much work and as much bread as I could. And I did that and I stayed hungry and it, you know, you sleep, you know, for 10 minute cat naps in between just to keep yourself going. Um, and, but I was just doing it because I wanted to get out there. I wanted to get my name out there. Um, and now, you know, after, you know, all these years, I can, I don't want to say pick and choose what I do, but I can be a little bit more selective with, with the, with the projects that I pick and the people that I want to work with. Let me ask you this, cause I know you, uh, you did, uh, the Jordan Peele movie, uh, us, right. Were you there from the beginning on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We had, we, um, I had worked with the ADs before in another smaller movie and they called me and said, we want, we want you on this. And I was like, let's, let's, let's rock. It was after Jordan came out with, um, um, get out. And I knew I wanted to be part of that experience because I knew the hype behind it. And from the beginning with the, with every meeting and every casting and every wardrobe fitting, I was there for that. That was, that was the most comprehensive all-in process that I had been part of. Excellent. I was going to ask you that. What was the most rewarding and most challenging job you've been on? you think that was it or was there something else in your uh, resume that sticks out? I mean, each, each show has its, has its challenges and each show has its rewards. Um, I would say for what we were doing, us was amazing because of what, how Jordan was and how meticulous he was and just getting to, it's like getting to watch a, you know, Jordan play or getting to watch um, a a sculptor create this art, like what he was doing, what he put in was so amazing just to watch it. It inspired you to be great at your craft and whatever that was. Um, The entire process was, was, was hella difficult, but the, it was, and then what, what more so, I think us is definitely one of the, my top three in terms of like amazing experiences um, because it got to a point where I was there as the second second and they would, it was a 40, 44 day shoot. And a couple of times during the first couple of weeks, I would be left behind to do an insert shot with uh, the B unit or B camera. And then it got to the end when we were in, of Santa Cruz, they were sending me off 20 miles away to go direct the second unit. And then I would have to send the footage that we just shot to Jordan's cell phone so he could approve it or say, go again. And that's, that was a trust that he and his crew and, and his producers put in me to go and do that. And that, I mean, that's an invaluable experience to, to, to basically have that. And even though they weren't big, huge, you know, the main, the main scenes in the movie, but just when you see a shot that, you know, that you got on the movie, you're like, yeah, that was, that was me. That was, that was good. I mean, that's, that's a good point. So as you weigh those things, you mentioned work environment earlier. Um, 
as being something that you choose for a job. And then you just touched on creativity as uh, being rewarding. Um, and then you also touched on money as you started off in the game. Uh, so between those three, creativity, uh, work environment, and money, uh, how would you rank those and why? Work environment is number one. Um, because if you have a solid work environment, if you have a great, um, progressive, positive work environment, it fosters that creativity. Creativity is born out of that. If you're, if, if you're oppressed or you feel like you're getting you know, the crap kicked out of you every day or someone's being mean to you or the working conditions are not great, you're not going to want to give to that show. You're not want to – I mean, I always try to give, like, everything I have. I, I always – you know, I, I say that I'm a creative – assistant director where I, I'm not just, you know, counting numbers or I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see what the process is, the, the complete process. I like to see the whole picture. Um, but I think that if you're having a great working environment, fosters that creativity and then the money is, it, it's going to come. The money will come because it's, whether it's a low budget or whether it's a, you know, a high budget feature film, the money's going to be there um, because they're, they're already doing this. Um, there's some shows, you know, that you've, that you've taken because you were in a pinch or you were in a bind or you needed some money quick. And they also have their, their pluses and minuses. But the money is never really something that you look at because, you, you know, it's, it's more so what is the next for, for these number of days, for these 20 days or these 40 days or these six months that you're going to be on a show. Can I do I feel good going to the show every day? Do I feel like I can when I when I come in in the morning and people say good morning to me, or I say good morning to them, that these are people that I know we're going through the same thing, that we can at least join arms and say, this is great. We can we're doing this together and we'll have that. OK, so uh, with those being said, um, what was the most rewarding show that you worked on? You, you mentioned us as probably a top three. I think us, uh, us, was us was a top three. That was great. Um I would honestly say, wow. Um, the first, I'd say the second season of Fresh Off the Boat, because it was a show that really touched an audience that really had no representation before um, in, in, the, in the Asian market. And it was, it was a really positive show. It was funny. It was challenging. But it was really a, a a show that I was proud of. I was proud to be on um, because of what what we were doing. We were, I, I, you know, for the most part. I, at one point, I was. Someone said to me, "You're like the AD that deals with black people, Asians, and kids," because I had just <laughs> <laughs> I had done like all the Dolly Parton shows, or like her Christmas of Many Colors, The Coat of Many Colors. I've been in Dolly Worlds forever, and so I know that world and it's always been like with her family and kids and stuff like that. So I've always had, and I would bounce back and forth between doing the Dolly shows and fresh off the boat. So for me years, I was always dealing with kids and that's always a rewarding thing when you see your, you know, your kids grow up. I mean, I still speak with some of the parents right now and some of those kids are getting ready to enter college and you have this relationship with them. Um, I would say, honestly, the us uh, fresh off the boat and all, all the dollies, all the dolly shows, the heartstrings, the Christmas in many colors, because it was it was that environment fostered by the producers and the directors that were there and just the crew in general, that, which made it that special for me. Nice. That's excellent. Um, 
the sec the second season of Fresh Off the Boat. Um, well, actually, before I go further with that, let me ask you uh, about dealing with kids. Because as I watched us, you know, all I thought about was uh, when are they shooting this? How many doubles are here? <laughs> Uh, what time of year is this? Is this summertime? So talk about, I mean, I mean, these kids have a small window to shoot a lot of this night work. Right. Um, what you had, we'll talk about that. We shot us in the summer. So the kids were out of school and there was a few days at the end that we went long that we had to have uh, schooling for the kids. But us was such an amazing, you had your four principal actors and then you had your stunt doubles and then you had your photo doubles and then you yeah. had your stand-ins. So basically you, we had a grid that was in the AD trailer and all the ADs walked with it as to who we were going to be seeing. And we had to enumerate them accordingly. So if we were using Lupita, you would see one, but if she was bad Lupita, you would have one mm -hmm. B, but if you were using her photo double, you were using one PB as a bad for a double. So it just got to, when you first look at it, you're like, this is, this is code. This is the, like the matrix. You're looking at this like, what is this? But after you get into it, you're like, okay, give me one PB. You give me one, two PB, two. And everyone just got that nomenclature down. And so it was easy for us to, to get that going. We, we knew what it was that we knew, what, what we were shooting. And so that's why it was, it, it became, easy but at the beginning the first two weeks of getting it it was we had no idea what we were trying to do like who's needed now and wh what what costume are they in oh my god that's a switch so now it's three hours of makeup uh the kids really didn't require a lot of makeup and they were awesome evan and Shah and shahadi they were amazing to work with for their photo doubles we just used small adults and luckily that evan's yes evan's brother um, played the evil version of him that was just in the in the hood, so we could have him on set all the time. So he was, and when he wasn't there, he was just in the hood. But it was great. It was, like I said, it was an experience that, you know, that I, I will always remember that of doing that. I could tell that was um, just by looking at those and how you broke that down. Uh... That's the type of stuff that keeps the AD team on their toes, uh, costumes, hair, makeup. So yeah. that's uh, in the grid. So that's, um, and once you get the rhythm down, that's excellent. But I was, I was curious. I said, yeah, this is, there's some planning with this one. Um, so talk with me about um, what you decided to pass on the job. When you took a job that you said, uh, you probably should have passed on or a job that you passed on that you regret not taking. Hmm. Um, is there a job that you took and said, ah, man, where's the exit? And, you know, nothing to do with people necessarily. Maybe it's just. Yes. Uh, expectations I, don't line up to what. Yeah. I, I did take a job. Um, a friend of mine was on a job and said, Hey, we're looking for an AD to come in. I said, sure. I went there and met with everyone. And after the first week, I just had a feeling and I said, I shouldn't, this is not it. And it still, and the show still had two more months to go. And it, it, it was, it was, a, it was a case where it just was not being run as, as, as well as it could be run. It was a brand new showrunner who wanted approval on everything. 
every take had to have her approval. But she was a showrunner, so she had other things to do. So we couldn't move forward without getting her seal of approval. Even her her onset producers didn't have the approval to say, uh, you know, she didn't delegate that approval to them. So everything had to go through her. That made for insanely long days, days that could have been 11, 12 hour days turned into 14, 15 hour days. Um, the, the cast was also, um, the younger cast were great, but the OG cast, they were a little truculent to deal with. Um, as they were also when they were given executive producer credit. So they would flex their muscles and it was really nothing that you could do about it. Um, and then finally, one day after a huge blow up on set between one of the other ADs and a PA, I was standing on set watching set as they were lighting. And I just said, I, this is going to be my last day. And at the end of the day, I went to the producer and I said, listen, I've, I thank you for the opportunity, but this is not where I need to be right now. And she asked if there was a problem. I said, no, I just, I just feel it in my spirit that this is not where I need to be. And it was, and it was great money, you know, like, you know, second AD money, you know, and I just left that on the table and, and walked. Yeah. So work environments trumps everything. That's yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't, I, I was feeling every day I would go into work and I would feel oppressed I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel invigorated going into work, and I said I need to do that with how I am. I, I mean, Tuff, you've worked with me before. It's you know I you you know how I am, and I if if I'm not feeling that if I'm not feeling that like gung honus, I that that affects how I do my job, and I like to do my job to the fullest and and really give back. Like I leave, when I, when I leave at the end of the day, I, I know that I've left everything that I can on the floor or on the set. Is there a uh, job that you passed on that you regret not taking? Or you're up for something or interview for something or someone has yes. availability for something? Yes. Um, and it was, I had a choice between us and station 19. And I was offered both, same capacity. And I, you know, it's how it always happens. You, you know, it's a feast or famine. You have nothing and then all of a sudden you have all these shows thrown at you. You have to make these ultimate decisions. And um, I chose us. And, in, and I'm not saying that I regret that at all. I don't regret choosing us at all because it was an amazing experience. But I think that if I had stayed with Station 19, I believe that I would... I would probably be in the in the seat to be directing on that show right now. Mm. So you so um, you think that us the cost analysis of that. So obviously, um, television will always be there. I think that way. Right. 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 You know, uh, there will be extra episodes with those showrunners and, you know, either on that show or another one. Right. But these movies, like lightning in the bottom. Correct. Right. Correct. So if you think of it that way, you say, I, you know, I'm going to catch this train, um, you know, this TV train, which is like you said, seven to eight to 10 months at the next stop, you know, uh, in three months from now, uh, I guess I'm just trying to see how you justify in your mind once you made that choice and it was excellent but then it's over and then you're like ah what did i miss out on while i was uh knee deep in doubles and 
and kids and nights. You know what? I, I never looked back on it. I looked at like it was I looked at it like it was a decision that I made. It's it's the difference between, you know, hey, I'm gonna go with, you know, this BMW or this Mercedes, or I'm gonna date this person or that person. You really can't go back because you don't know anything that would happen. I, I, I like to say it would have happened, but I don't know for sure. And I can't beat myself up or keep myself up at night thinking that. I just have right. to say, okay, this is what it was. And this is the decision I made for myself with the information that I had at the time. And this was the best decision for me. Yeah. Okay. Who are your um, OGs in industry? Who do you call for a coffee or a chat or a drink? Or how do you oh, man. navigate your path? Um, the first AD that I ever worked for was H.H. Cooper. And he was on Malcolm X. And he was a second at that point. And I had no idea what I was doing. He had me just locking up a, a street. But um, H is one of those legends in, in the game that, you know, people don't, I mean, people in the, in the industry know H, but outside he's one of those like unsung heroes. But H, get, you know, H gets stuff done. Like I kind of model myself a lot after, after H, how, how, how he is, how direct he is. But there's there's other people that you know you come you come in this business you have you know you make great people I always try to find the person on the set with the with the grayest beard or the whitest amount of hair and I make I make you know time for them because they've seen it they've seen you know the, before I was even in this business they've they've been in it so um, people that I go to right now for you know just to chop it up with like my I don't want to say my, my mentors, but my colleagues that I really, you know, solicit for advice, um, like H.H. Cooper is one. Uh, Austin Daverin is another guy. We came up together uh, in, in New York, and he's another AD. Um, Joe Lazaroff, who was a producer, we worked on the Dolly Parton stuff together. He's become like such a, a mentor uh, to me. Um, shoot. Um, Every every now and again, I'll um, oh, Brett King from Sony. He is a great dude uh, to know and keeps it one hundred all the time. Um, there there are a lot of people that you you, you come in, you just you, you meet, and either they take a shine to you, or or you take a shine to them, or you kind of, they become like your mentors or your rabbis, where they get you in. I mean, you 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 meet so many people. I mean, how many people that you know that work on a on a crew that you meet. Um, sometimes you just want to talk to somebody, not for anything. You don't want a job. You don't want, you just want to just talk and it's good to do that. But those, there, there are a few people like those people I just mentioned, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out right now. Um, but those are the people who I reach out to if I have a question, if I have, you know, with, with how we're living right now, just about keeping things in perspective. Um, it's great. It's great. You have to have that, you have to have that, that tribe that you have um bill duke is another one i reach out to uh you know on occasion just you know is he because he's i took a class with him years ago but he's just that guy who will you know who will keep it real with you keep it 100 and keep you in perspective that's excellent um talk to me about how you build your team uh if you're assembling a, a crew for a show now uh, what are you looking for as you're going through um, uh, hiring. I look for, and I've done this. I've looked. I looked for when I'm when I'm when I'm assembling a team. I want 
to build a team where we are, I'm going to use, I'm going to use a throwback that I always do on set. Um, when I was growing up, there was this cartoon called Voltron and it was, you know, five lions. It was, a, you know, I love Voltron. you love Voltron, right? It was five, yeah. five lions and everything like that. And they would always fight these aliens, you know, these big, huge aliens. And they would always get their, their asses kicked by these aliens until they were like enough. And then they would form Voltron and it was like form feet and legs and the arms and it would come together to form this robot. And then the robot would invariably win every episode. And I try to form a team like that where as individuals, we're capable. But when we come together and really join forces, we are indestructible. That's what I do. So I try to find people who are, honestly, I try to find people who, who can do my job or want, to, or want my job. I want, like, come at me. Come, come for me because I, although I don't know everything at all, um, I have worked with a lot of great ADs who have taught me a lot. I've worked with a lot of bad ADs who have taught me a lot. But I like to take that knowledge then and pass it to um, the next generation to say like, hey, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to do in this situation. I remember there was a show, a guy, a PA was bugging out like, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. And I looked at him. I said, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And he said, what? And I asked him, what did you have for breakfast? And he told me. And I said, okay, cool. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just letting time pass because not everything is so immediate. You, if you heighten the situation, you're only exacerbating it. Sometimes you just let stuff breathe and it works out. And he was like, holy moly, this is crazy. And it, and it did. And it actually worked out. So I try to build it with one. I try to be as I, I try to get the, the best people for the job for that position. If I know someone is, is like a background ninja, you're going to be doing background. But then at a certain point, someone who is not background savvy, I'll switch them up for a day just so they get a taste of it, just so, they, just so that the team can be well-rounded, that if one person goes down, someone else can step into that spot. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I try to make it as diverse as possible um, because you know, being, a, being a black male in this industry is sometimes the most difficult part of this industry. Um, because you don't always get the fair shakes. You don't always get, uh, you know, people will always say, yeah, he's good, but there's always a caveat as to why they wouldn't hire you. And who knows what that could be, but it's that thing that you, that, so I try to make, make it diverse where I, I have someone black male, black female, um, you know, white females, black, you know, white males, just so that we are, I never want to be viewed as like, oh, that's that department. I want to be viewed as, oh, it's the department. Mm, I see. Um, what's your daily like routine as you get into set, or um, you know, uh, or you can describe us. Or, like, what do you do? You just um, how do you get into the mode of being on set for twelve to fourteen hours a day? Um, when I like when I worked with you, the first thing I did in the morning, I get up, give thanks, stretch out. Uh, <laughs> definitely have to stretch out. And get some type of workout in, even if it's five minutes, just to get the blood pumping. Then the second thing is any emails that came in overnight or, or early morning, I try to address that because it, nothing's worse than walking into a fire that you had no idea about. If you know the fire's there, you're like, okay, I know what to expect. But if the fire, if you walk into it, you're going to get burned. And then from there, if it's something that needs, that I can handle, I handle it. 
But if it's something that I need to escalate, I definitely do that. Because again, no one wants to, like the producers don't want to walk into a fire and they're like, how come no one told me this? Um, then when I get to set, I, I call it walking the, walking the grounds. Like I'll drop my stuff up at the trailer on set and I'll just walk around and just kind of get the pulse of what's happening and how people are feeling. Are people feeling down? Who's having an issue today? Because we don't know what people went home to the night before. Did their cat die? Did they get into a fight with their spouse? Is something wrong with their kid? I try, to, I try to make it where that I don't, from the last time I left you 12 hours later, are you still cool? Or is something going on that I need to be mindful of? Because as ADs, we have to be mindful of the whole set. So if someone is feeling a little bit tweaky today or some, I'm like, hey, just you know, give this person a little bit of space today because they're dealing with this. Um, then what I like to do I like to, when the actors land, I like to be one of the first people to greet them because I can, again, they are also setting the tone for the day. If they're having a bad day, if they're having something, I like to say like, hey, what's up? You know, just come at them with complete positivity. And if they're like, oh, you know this, I'm like, hey, let me know if I can do anything for you so that they will know that they have somebody in their corner, that they're not in this by themselves. Because as an actor, you can feel very alone because it's, you have the crew and then you have you as an actor. Um, then from there, you know, the day starts to try to set the tone. Um, I, I, I like it when people greyhound with me. And I, and I use that terminology a lot. Um, uh, uh, greyhounds are one of my favorite dogs, but they greyhounds sleep for about 16 to 18 hours a day. And when they get ready to go onto the track, then they, put, they leave it all on the track. For that minute or two that they're running around the track, they are just going all out. And then after the race is over, they eat and they go back to sleep. And mm -hmm. I compare that to kind of the set. Like when we're there for their 12 hours, we, we, you know, we get it in. Like the first, the first day, the first, the first, you know, from the time we get first shot, we're like, we're, you know, I use, an, I use a lot of analogies for whoever's listening. Uh, like when, you, when you're in an airplane, you take off, the plane may be full, but it, you, on takeoff and landing, the plane uses like, half of its like a third to a half of its jet fuel when it's at that cruising altitude of like thirty-five thousand, it's not it's barely using any fuel at all the hardest thing in the morning is to get that plane up to thirty-five thousand feet that's the hardest thing ever you, you have to like you know to get everyone on the same page this is what we're doing hair makeup all synced up actors ready and everything to make it by shooting call that's the hardest thing and so to push and to, you know, people are still sluggish from in the morning. They're tired. They don't want to be here. It's a Friday. It's a Monday. It's payday. Whatever it is that they're dealing with, we have to use an AD. You have to, you know, kind of put that on your back and hoist it up and be like, come on, y'all. We got this. We got this. We got this. And once we get going, then it self runs. Then you just then afterwards, after we get like first shot, maybe, you know, turning around, then I actually take that deep breath. I'm like, OK, it's it's good. It's moving. Now I can start thinking about later or tomorrow. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was, you know, this is that little bubble that we work in. Uh, just inviting every crew and cast person for that day into that bubble. So put down your outside distractions. Put that, that'll be there when you return or during a break. Come in here. Let's get this first six hours of shooting done. Lunch time, you go back out into that distraction for a half an hour or an hour. Oh, put that down again. Come back in here. Let's do another six hours or so of this. Uh, and then you're free to go to that distraction. But guess what? You have to come back here in uh, 12 or less hours 
uh, for more of the same. Right. And this continued this pattern uh, at different locales, locales right. for the next eight to 10 months. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, that's always the part, you know, because crew, like you said, they bring whatever else is happening with them, definitely cast. And um, the, the, um, the thing is about being, being an AD is, and this is taking nothing away from the other disciplines because they, they, they get it. Like if you've, if you've seen a well-oiled grip machine work, it's a thing of beauty. Like a well-oiled grip machine can make or break a show. And I, a well-oiled transportation department, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like a symphony watching them go. Well, when you have a great coordinator and it's, it's, it's a symphony, seeing a, a dialed-in hair and makeup department that can, you know, just say, just send them and they knock them out, like if it's period or otherwise – but with with an AD department, the the knowledge that we have, it, it's it, if you if, say a grip goes down for the day, you can bring another guy in, you know, to, to to do stuff. An electric goes down, you know, bring someone else in. Even like day playing hair and makeup, folks. It, it, I'm not saying they're interchangeable, but you can add because they're, they're doing that thing. But what happens if a first AD goes down? What happens if a key second goes down? The the knowledge that we have, it's 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 almost like it makes us almost irreplaceable. You can't, we can be replaced, absolutely. But then the learning curve for the next person coming in is sometimes insurmountable. Yeah. Um, and, this is, and that also adds a level of, uh, of stress to our jobs because we are that, everyone is vital, but we are that essential to keeping this train moving. And sometimes, like, and so as ADs, I've felt it a couple of times on a few shows that I haven't been feeling the best. I've been feeling, I, you know, there's something I really have to take care of. Um, and I can't do that because I have this responsibility to this show. And it, it, just, it, it does put stress on us outside of, you know, when, when, when a grip goes home, he doesn't think about, he just worries about getting back the next day. When we go home, we think about did this, how come this person didn't respond? Did they get the call sheet? Are we going to have special effects in the morning? Who are we going to have? Are they going to be there on time? Are, 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 is catering going to be set up on time? Is, is holding going to be set up? Is it going to be adequate holding? There's the, I mean, and those are just eight questions just off the top of my head. <laughs> you know, that's not even, and that's without even thinking of the actual parameters of a specific show. Right. Yeah, it's all encompassing. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, I like how you reference the different departments, and um, uh, this is the part of the sequence what I call uh, "This might offend my political connects." So uh, uh, it can be crew, it can be cast, it can be uh, departments, it can be th different parts of the industry. But uh, who do you consider underrated? Uh, who or what is overrated, and who or what is properly rated? Who, who is underrated? Like you, you're, you're meaning what department is underrated? Yeah, it could be a department. It could be a department. It could be a, um, a, a, a job. It could be, you know. Underrated. <laughs> underrated, I would definitely say it's, is it, can I just pick one or does it have to be, or I could be. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Whatever you like. <laughs> Underrated, I would have to say, are um, grips, transportation, and the AD department. If you've ever been okay. shooting outside, 
and the sun has ever been beating down on you and you don't have um, a courtesy over you or you can't see the monitors, you will realize how valuable grips are. If you need something built very quickly and safely, you will realize how valuable your grips are. If you've ever been waiting on a roadside in the rain, waiting for transportation to come back and get you, you will realize how valuable transportation is and just how they really can, or if you have a, like a save that you have to do, like to go get an actor from somewhere uh, who's late or something or just whatever, and transportation can, you can get someone to go in a van and just execute like your extension. That's invaluable. Also ADs, uh, and I mean, I know it may sound biased because I am one, but we are underrated because, and I've used this analogy, I think I've used it with UTEP. Um, if, if the actor messes up a line, he gets to go, he or she gets to go again, correct? Yeah. If the cameraman is out of focus or he bumps, you know, the, the, the camera, they get to do the shot again. If something spills on the shirt, wardrobe will bring in another shirt. If the prop gets broken, props will have doubles. If the hair gets messed up uh, or the makeup gets messed up, they can come in and they can fix it. Um, if the light gets bumped over, you know, they can just relight. But when we set a schedule and we have to suddenly change a schedule so drastically, like move a scene up or move a scene till tomorrow, that's not an instant change. The ramifications of those changes are far deeper than just bringing another prop or just going again. It changes the very nature of actor availability, location availability. And when an, when an actor does a great take or, or makeup looks great or hair looks great or the costume looks great, you hear someone say, hey, that looks great. That's amazing. That was a great shot. That was wonderful. That was, that was really wonderful performance. You've never heard anyone say, hey, that's a great schedule. You've never heard anyone say, hey, you know, that was the really best use of time. You've never heard anyone say that was great. You know, your background was impeccable. <laughs> you know, it's it, what as ADs, it's a thankless job because it's expected that we do those things. Um, you've never heard you've never heard someone say to the AD department or an AD, hey, besides our own folks, hey, what do you need? Can I get you this? But we, but we do that for other people. We're like, hey, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Like, we take care of everyone. And that's why I think that we're underrated. Um, who is overrated? Um, I think that everyone has value. I don't know if it's over... I don't know if it's overrated. I think that some... And it's not every department. It's, I think there's some... Um, there's some people that have uh, certain entitlements that they feel that they are higher up the totem pole. Um, but I think that everyone has, it's, 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 it's literally what, what would you do without your nervous system? You would, you wouldn't feel, but everyone, you really don't see that. What would you do without your skeletal system? You'd just be a blob of glue. What would you do without your, your adrenal system? Everyone has a system that they work in that is necessary for the body to keep moving. So I can't say it's underrated. I'm sorry. I can't say it's overrated, but it may not, you know, what would happen if the legs just said, you know what, I'm not going to walk anywhere. The legs, the rest of the body would be like, come on, really? What are you, why are you being that way? <laughs> why are you being that way? Just, just walk, walk with us. And then therefore, when you get to where we have to get to, then you can rest. Um, so I don't know about overrated, but I just think that the, some people or some departments feel that they're more entitled 
than others. Um, mm. Properly rated. Um, properly rated. I would have to say as a whole a, a really great a really great camera team are properly rated because they're a, a really great camera team that has you know that is getting clear direction from their DP um and has a really proactive uh camera and has pr- really proactive camera operators is really great like you know like Phil was was an amazing was an amazing camera operator and an amazing DP in his own right. I think that he made it really work for the show that we were on. Um, you know, there like on us, we had a great B camera operator named Ben who you know was able to work out the shots, and it, it was never with an it was never with an attitude or never with an air. It was just you know we, they knew. I think probably rating is less you you being so competent in your job, and the contribution that you're making is in line with with your competence. I think that's being properly rated. Um, a great prop. Oh my gosh. Props departments. I think that they can be pff, uh, prop departments. I think can be amazing people because the stuff they come up with are like what um, special effects. I would say they are properly rated because some of the stuff they do you like, it's, I think if I weren't an AD, I would probably be in special effects. That's what I said. That's my department. Yeah. I would love <laughs> yeah. to be special because you're, you're, pl- you're playing around all day. You're playing with stuff all day. And you have that, yeah. and you have that ooh factor. When stuff goes right, you're like, ooh, well, that's great. That's cool. You know, that's what I would do. That or, 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 or a stunt coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. I like effects uh, because they're kind of, they're not there daily uh, unless you just have, you know, a little bit of wind or somebody's just demanding that. But when they are there, you know it. You know it. They have their own timeline. Yeah. They have their own rules. They got to go through fire safety. They have to have all the permits. Yeah. And uh, they do with the destructive deal, whatever it is, and then they walk away. Uh, they put the stuff away. Right. Um, and I always kind of like how they're kind of their own little bubble. Yeah. Right. That you have to say, hey, man, we need this in about three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Let's look at that. And you know, I like to have that operation with them. Um, thinking about yourself, um, name a strength, one of your strengths, and uh, name something that you want to work on. Um, a strength that I have, honestly, I would say my, a strength that I have that I, that I've had to work on and, and get better at, um, is really seeing the whole picture. Um, before I would look at things very myopically and say, okay, this has to happen. This has to happen. But what I've gotten better at, and it's with the help of some of the people I mentioned, to really listen to what someone is saying. And, uh, and if someone comes up to me with a problem before I think I would knee jerk my response. But now I really look at the entire issue and realize it's not the problem. The person is not the problem. The, the situation is the problem and this is how they're reacting. So um, a strength of mine is almost like a non-reaction. Um, I know I can get animated, but it's because of my passion for it, but I'm not excited about it. It's more like, okay, this has to happen. How will we make this happen? Um, I like to, 
I like to be more, I would like to be more forward thinking though. And to actually maybe not project, but to more foresee stuff happening. I'd like to be able to get better at that, to more mitigate things before they happen, have, have the plan A, B, and C, but have contingencies in all of those ready to go. That's what I think I'd like mm-hmm. to do. Um, I think that will help me as an AD and also as a director um, just to be able to achieve the day. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen you do that. I've seen other ADs do that. And, you know, hey, like, we can simplify this. Let's do it this way without compromising, you know, the scene or compromising safety or anything like that. And that's what I'd like to be, get better at. Nice, simplify. I love that. Um, you mentioned uh, some of the crew that you worked with before that you uh, were enamored with. Um, is there anyone that you have not worked with, uh, either in front or behind the camera, that you uh, look forward to working with in your career as you go forward? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, there's a ton of people I would love to work for. I'd love to, I'd love to either work for or shadow Clint Eastwood. Um, I would, Darren Aronofsky, I'd love to work with him. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, love to work with him. Um, I did work with Liesl Tommy and she's, she's a force. She's just, it's people who have the ability to, to galvanize people, people who have this vision and they can get everyone behind that vision. Be it as an AD, um, uh, Josh McLaughlin as an AD, I'd love to work for him. Um, if I don't get yelled at, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, there's, um, I worked with Michael Moore as, as a PA before, and he was, he's, that's another one who I just will solicit for advice. Michael Moore. I think he's, uh, cause he's, what show was that? Uh, that was drag me to hell. Uh, that Sam Raimi film. Um, Don Sparks is another one. Um, yeah. yeah, like, and you know, it's one of those things where at the, at the general meeting, when you meet those people, you're kind of meeting your heroes and you're like, Oh my gosh, you're so-and-so. And it's, it's, it's a weird feeling to be, yeah. cause you see them and they're doing all this stuff and you're Facebook friends with them, but to meet them in the person, to press the flesh is kind of like, Oh gosh, a meeting, um, in front of the camera. Um, I, I say the biggest when I first got to LA, I was, I didn't know who I wanted to work with, but I've, I've met some really great people. Um, believe it or not, the person that I met that kind of had the most like wow factor for me was John Travolta on get on, mm. uh, on, um, not get shorty, the sequel to that. Um, wow. Where he played the, where he played the, uh, yeah. yeah, I forget the name of that movie, but it was, it was that he was like, Hey, I'm JT. And I'm like, JT. Oh, John Travolta. Hey, how are you? It just, it just how casual he was. Um, most, most actors are very, very cool. Like I've had relationships with actors for years that we just, you know, you, you vibe with somebody and you just, it is not, it, it's not an actor AD role. It's more of a friend. Like I've went cycling with people. I've worked out with people with I mean, people have just hung out. Um, it's, you know, we've compared family stories with people. It's just, you be, they become not just your coworkers, but they become your friends. And that's the beauty of it. Mm, nice. 
All right, so um, I just added this uh, section of the podcast. It's going to be called Name It and Claim It. Name It and Claim It. So where will you be career-wise in 24 and 48 months, and how can I help? Where will I be in 24 to 48 months? So that's two to four years. Um, Ideally, from my lips to God's ears and with the help of Brother Tep, um, I would love to be a working and by I say working I mean every every week every month a working episodic or sitcom director in the business absolutely that's that has been my dream I did when I when I came out from New York to to LA I didn't come out with the dream of being an AD I fell into it because I guess my acumen was was that um and if I had to do it all again like I said it'd either be special effects or I would have uh, just went straight. I would have billed myself as a as a director and just kept shooting whatever I could. Um, but I think being an AD has trained me to really be a better director. Um, to because every week on a set, you know, it's 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 film school. Basically, it's it's every week you're seeing shots, you're seeing stuff, you're seeing how people construct things and how they would change it, and you you add that to your repertoire and it makes you a better or more well-rounded director. I speak with Pete Chapman. Um, who is a great, great, you know, I can't even call him up and coming anymore because Pete is like steadily working. Um, Jeff Bird, uh, Carl Seaton, Eric, you know, Eric Dean, um, Ken Whittingham, like those are the cats that I speak to and pick their brains and see how they do it. Or if, you know, and so that's, that's, that's the trajectory that I am on and I, that I see myself at. Nice. All right. Uh, episodic or sitcom director. I'm going to help you with that uh, transition here in the next two to four years. Uh, as we wrap it up, man, I normally have people uh, recommend someone they want to hear from on a future film crew love podcast. So uh, who do you uh, in the industry are curious about uh, and would like to hear from on this platform? Man, there's I, I could give you a list of people um, does it does it have to be? It, can it be anybody? It can be above the line, below the line, whoever you want. Oh, wow! Shoot, I could. Um, Anton Cropper is a great guy because he came up from our ranks as an AD and moved into directing, and now he's executive producing and and directing. You know, like Crop would be a great, great get for this because he's been there he's been in the trenches and he could really throw a lot of light on the experiences especially as a black as a black man in this industry he would be great for it um someone like that someone like uh like a ken like a ken whittingham would be awesome for this um shoot um a, a Dion Boyce who came up someone the thing is, I think there are a lot of people that, that come up, but they haven't been in uh, like, you know, as we call it like the trenches, they haven't been on set. They haven't seen that because what people who have been in that, they have an appreciation for what the crew is going through. I mean, a writer is, or is a writer and it's, it's valiant what they do, but you know, there's sometimes you look at them like, you have no idea what we're going through right now because you're sitting at the village and you're, you know, you're, you know, but you have no idea you're coming in fresh to your episode. We got the, 
piss beat out of us last week. So you got to excuse us if we're not full of, you know, vim and vigor right now. <laughs> you know, we are, we're a little bit salty. Um, but someone who has been there, someone who has, you know, seen it, has been part of that before and someone who's had to rally us, um, I think would be great. You know, not, it's not always rah, rah, sis, boom, ba. Sometimes it's like, hey, man, I got you. I got you. Right. Take, take five over there. I got this. I got your watch. You know? Yeah. Yeah, someone who has the empathy and sympathy for uh, the work in the trenches. Yeah, man. So someone, yeah. and, so, and then someone who has like done that work and gone up, and now is you know, you know, shooting in, in the stars and stuff like that, but that still remembers what it was like for those five a.m. calls when stuff is going wrong, or hey, you have twenty minutes left in your day and you still have a scene to shoot. Like that person who remembers that and how to get that done, that's the person who has you know the love for the film crew. That's that, you know, and ideally I would love to, in that two to four years, I would love to be that person. I'd love to come back on this podcast in you know, a couple of years and be like, Hey, Tep, remember when we, (laughs) you know, well, that's why I added, that's why I added this section. So I say, as we continue down this path, we can just kind of check back and say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, uh, two years ago, we talked to Paul and blank, blank, blank. This was after the, you know, during the COVID Yeah. now here. Talk about those steps and then you're inspired the next way. I would say what's really amazing, dude, about, about the industry that we're in. It's, it's not, people think, okay, I'm just going to get into the industry, but it's not a, it's not a sprint. Like this is, I've known you for what, I think almost eight years now, eight, nine years. Marathon. Yeah, brother. I met Anderson uh, Villian. You you interviewed Anderson, right? Yes. Okay. I met Anderson when we were, when he was a trainee and I was a PA on season one of Mad Men back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Like I've known him that long and like, and we're, and we're both from New York. So it's people that you've known and gone, you go back with and you see people coming up with, and it's so great to see people that you worked with when you were in the trenches and now they're coming up and we're, you know, and we're making money and it's, and you know, we, you know, we can do those things that we always envisioned doing you know, when we were coming up and that's the, that's one of the greatest things about this. When you see people that you used to rock with and you're still rocking with them now, that's the good part. This has been tremendous, bro. Uh, for those who want to find out more about Paul, is there a uh, web page or a um, Instagram or some kind of social media thing that you use? Yeah. My whole, my whole brand is, and it's, it's kind of telling what you said at the beginning. Um, my whole brand is go get Paul. So it's mm-hmm. Facebook, go get Paul, Instagram, go get Paul, go get Paul, you know, dot com. Um, and that's what you, you said at the beginning. Like that was that name was actually given to me by uh, I was I came in to finish out a show and I said, how did I even get my name even get thrown into it? And it was having a tough show. And the producer was like, just just go get Paul Lindsay. He'll figure it out. Yeah. And that's yeah, and that literally I, I became that and that became my brand as to whenever they have a difficult show, a show that needs just something, just go get Paul. There it is. Beautiful, brother. Hey. Paul Lindsay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been the Film Crew Love Podcast. You got any last words, Paul? Uh, hey, man, thank you for uh, thank you for doing this. I'm, I'm so glad that you know, we were able to hook up and, and get this done. And thank you for what you're doing for the, you know, the crews that really that no one knows about. They see the actors and the directors and everyone else, but no one sees this part of of what it is. So I thank you, man. And I hope to see you again on the set real soon. Uh-huh.